Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of the Film Score podcast. Today I'll be talking with Holly Amber Church. Now, Holly is most well known for composing quite a few horror scores, including her most recent Open 24 Hours, a, a slasher psychological thriller film. So I thought it'd be quite seasonally appropriate to bring her on, given that Halloween is less than a week away. Of course, Holly composes for many other films as well, one of which is the upcoming film about novelist John Kennedy Toole. Now, if you don't know much about Toole's life and are interested in the film, I would suggest tuning out about the 35-36 minute mark because Holly and I talk quite a bit about his life, and although they're real events, you may not be familiar with them. If you don't already, you can also follow me on Instagram or on Twitter or visit my website. All of them are The Film Scorer for more of my thoughts on film music, as well as film music reviews and articles. Now, I hope you enjoy this interview, so sit back and dive in with me. Holly, I really appreciate you joining me today. How have you been? Uh, of course, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's nice to, uh, to get to talk to you today. I particularly appreciate it because it sounds like you have an incredibly busy schedule the last few months. Somehow. Luckily, yeah, I was a little worried there'd be no work for a while, but yeah, I'm working on two features right now and I've demoed for a couple other projects in the last couple of weeks too. So we'll, we'll see what all happens, I guess. Nice. Can you share anything about either features or is this still in the early stages and under wraps? Yeah, one of them's a drama. It's really, really good. We just submitted it to Sundance. It has Michael Douglas's son in it, Cameron Douglas, and he's very good. He's very Douglas. It's a very, very good drama. And um, the other one is a horror film, of course. So <laughs> it's kind of cool. It's kind of a haunted, kind of like a haunted house movie, but not your normal one. So they couldn't be more different from each other, but I'm having a lot of fun working on both of them. So interesting scores for both of them too, I would say. Is it tough working on two so different scores and films at the same time? It kind of can depend, but in a way, it, I think it, it's creatively refreshing. I might work on one, one half the day, and it's just a totally different mindset. And then when I feel good about that, I switch to the other one, and it's like, oh, now we're doing this. I think it can depend, but in, in this case, not, not really. Like, I'm enjoying, they're so different, like, I'm enjoying the switch up, you know. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I'd have been, I think most people that I've talked to, you know, they have a project they finish it and they're on to the next one so it's mm -hmm. interesting hearing having two going on but that makes a lot of sense or i'm sure if stylistically they're different or they're having different themes i guess it lets you get your mind off of one because it do you run into the issue of having writer's block not too often actually which is very lucky i mean early on when i started my career yes and like every note had to be perfect and whatever but now i think i've just gotten to where it's like you have no choice. You have a deadline. Go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that kind of helps you not get writer's block because you really can't afford to. If there is like a time where I'm struggling on one of the films and I can switch to the other one, then kind of the back of my mind will work out the one I was struggling on while I'm working on something else. And it's like, ah, oh, yes, this will work. And then I go back to it. So that, that can be nice, too. That's got to be almost a necessity because looking at your credits, you've scored a lot of features and shorts in a well, short amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it can. It's funny. It's that old adage. I'm sure everyone's that way where it's like when it rains, it pours or, you know, there's something and then there's like, I might have just nothing for a month or so. And then I'll have three projects at once. Like it's hardly ever just one project at one time. I think I had one summer where I had six or seven things at the same time. That was hard. (laughs) Are you the type of person where you'd prefer to have three projects going on versus like a sparing amount of work? Yeah, I think, I mean, ideally I would like one at a time because then I could really focus full, you know, solely on that. But two at a time is not bad. When you start getting into four, five, six at a time, that's hard. Yeah, I mean, that's so, but yeah, I'd rather juggle, I'd for sure rather juggle a couple at a time than have nothing. I couldn't help but laugh when talking about the two upcoming projects and the second one, you said it was horror, of course. Mm-hmm. In the works that I'm familiar with of yours and like looking through your credits, it is so horror heavy. How did that happen? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Padraig Reynolds, who I've worked with quite a few times, he's one of my favorite collaborators. He had a horror movie Rites of Spring about a decade ago now, I guess. And I don't think I'd really done much, if any, before then. But I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. And we knew the producer on it, my husband and I. And I emailed the producer and said, hey, I saw you guys are doing this movie. I think they were filming it, you know, at the time. And maybe there was an article on Bloody Disgusting or something that I saw. And I was like, hey, I'd be interested in doing the music. And he said, oh, sure. Let me set up a meeting with Padraig. So I think we all went to dinner and I gave Padraig a a CD with some of my music on it. And he was like, cool, you're hired. We've done four movies together now. And I love his movies. They're so much fun. And I think it was kind of that he gave me the start. And to be honest, like I was nervous because I was like, first of all, I'm a girl. Like, am I going to get overlooked because of that? You know, like girls can't do horror. And secondly, my last name is Church. It's a really (laughs) nice last name. Like, I know that was a dumb thing, but I was like, am I going to get overlooked because of that too you know she can't do horror her last name's too nice sounding but yeah he liked my music and hired me and then I think that's right to spring was what started it all off and I've done just lots and lots of horror since then and and I absolutely love it it's really really fun I've I've got to say that's that's such a cool beginning I imagine that's got to piss some people off that you just like you sent an email had a dinner and that sealed the deal And well, that was the thing too. Like, that's very rare. I fail constantly, you know, I'm always writing demos, always doing stuff. And it's really hard to get a gig. But luckily, there was some Padraig liked my music. And that was it. And we've had a long career together working together, which is fantastic. And we get along really great too. Like, Mm. and I think he gets what I can do. And I get exactly what he wants. Like by the end of Rites of Spring, He could just make a sound. I went, and I knew exactly what he was talking about. And that's made it going forward on all of our other movies. Just, they're always super smooth, super easy. And we just have fun. So yeah, I I can count myself very, very lucky. Because I I think had he passed on me then, I don't know that I would have gone in this horror direction. And it's been very good for me. I I always have to credit him with my career, basically, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, that film was pretty early in career, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very early on. Given that it was early on, what were you doing before Rites of Spring, and how did you realize you wanted to make film music in the first place? Let's see. Well, this is going to be 
a journey. (laughs) It all started like I wanted to do this from the time I was a little kid, which is crazy. My dad would bring home, this kind of dates me too. I was a child in the 80s, but we had a record player. I think it was my great grandma's record player. And he would bring home film scores on record. I guess he'd stop at the music store or whatever on his way home from work. And one time he brought home American Tale. And that was the one for me that I listened to that. And I was just kind of like, whoa, like these cool sounds I'm hearing are different instruments and an orchestra. And that's so cool. And, and it was around the same time that my mom started uh, my sister and I in piano lessons. She tried all kinds of things with us. We quit everything because we're, I have a twin, (laughs) we're twins. So of course we had to do some cute twin thing together. It was like, gymnastics singing this that we quit everything but then piano like stuck so the kind of happened at the same time and I started writing little pieces of music when I was a kid on the piano and anyway school like everyone else and all that but like from a really young age it was like I wanted to write film scores yeah then I went to school obviously I did my undergrad undergrad at Pepperdine and did composition and then I did the USC film scoring program And from there, from graduating, you know, I don't know if this will help any young composers wanting to come out. You think, okay, this is it. I've got my degree. I'm going to be a big film composer now. Like it was, it took like 10 years doing short films, student films. I had all kinds of odd jobs to help pay the bills. I think I was like an audience coordinator for a game show one time and told people where to actors like where to sit and when to clap I assisted a couple composers too I worked for Chris Young for a little bit right when I got out yeah who perfect perfect for the horror perfect for the horror yeah he had the coolest studio with all these jack-o'-lanterns and horror things and I worked for Ray Colcord he he did some tv I think he did Boy Meets World. He wasn't doing that when I worked with him, but he was fantastic and taught me a lot. And then I worked for Stuart Copeland for a little while too, the drummer for the police. And he also does some film scoring and stuff. So, you know, I bounced around and then I ended up working at a law firm for a while. (laughs) So I would like work all day and then I'd come home at night. And if I had a project, I'd stay up all night and work on it and then go back to my day job when the sun came up. I just always kept at it and kept trying to meet people. And, you know, it wasn't one of those stories where I graduated and was immediately earning my living doing film scoring. But I, I think that is probably important for these people coming out of school to know, like, it, it can take time and you got to pay your bill. That's how it goes. And then eventually I started getting enough work to where I was able to quit my job and just, just do this. That's kind of how it started. It's both inspiring and really daunting because obviously everyone loves the story of working, working, working and achieving your dreams. Yeah. But all those obstacles in the time, I'm sure some people yeah. look at it and go, wow, I've got to do all that for that many years for the chance to break through. I yeah. Mean, that's, that's impressive sticking through it that long. Yeah. Oh, there, I mean, I'll tell everyone, like there were plenty of times I wanted to give up and thought, oh, this is never going to happen. But I, I'm too stubborn, I guess, luckily, and I never (laughs) did give up. I mean, everyone's journey is different. Some people are going to graduate and get a big movie and do great. I think it is important for people to know, do what you have to do, but don't give up. I think Chris Young even said he, he drove taxis or something (laughs) when he was first starting out he same thing he had to do whatever he could to earn money while he was still trying to 
break into the business. There's no shame in it. No, everyone's journey is different. And mine took some twists and turns, but I ended up landing back in the right place. Just probably good for those coming out to to know. You see some people like Ludwig Göransson. I don't know how old he is, but I mean, he's relatively young. And yeah. He's he's won every award under the sun, basically. Yeah, or, and doing huge things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or I mean, um, Justin Hurwitz, who hasn't done as many blockbuster works, but mm-hmm. you know, he did La La Land, La La First Land, Man. Yeah. I mean, those are big films and again, yeah. tons of acclaim. And I think those were his second and third films he scored maybe yeah Um, exactly and and so yeah you you see younger people doing that you go oh wow that's the path i'm gonna take but yeah yeah even though it's it's not like that for everyone yeah Yeah. and those guys too i'm sure you know like it was their connection uh damien chazelle that justin hurwitz worked with like they were friends at college and then he, his filmmaker buddy lucked out and got a big film and brought him along. And I think same with, with Ludwig. So that's great. Like if that can happen, if say you're at USC like me and you meet a young filmmaker there and they break out really quick and take you along, fantastic. But I mean, again, just... that doesn't always happen. <laughs> right. Well, and the other thing with, with Ludwig too is people really were familiar with him starting at Creed and Black Panther a few years mm-hmm. back. You know, you actually look at his credits and I mean, he was doing films for years before then too. And then yeah. doing work with Donald Glover and uh, other right. like non-film music, music endeavors too. It looks like, oh, he he just like got big. But I mean, it's still the same thing of, he did a ton of stuff and it just yeah. took time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the planting seeds and the getting experience. And I think he's just like an all around great musician, too. Mm -hmm. I remember um, Community, he scored Community, the TV show. Yeah. And that was the first time I actually heard his music. And I was like, who is this guy? Like, this is amazing. And I mean, it was a comedy, but once in a while, they'd have these episodes where it's like an epic battle. So the music was this big orchestral over the top battle stuff or whatever and it was fantastic but it is funny because he is really young so it's like did he start when he was 12 i don't know <laughs> yeah he's accomplished a lot of great things i actually really appreciate you giving that kind of background and story because it is it's very good for people to hear that and i think that's just kind of endemic in film tv media in general like if you want to be an actor for instance even though there are huge actors who are 25 i don't like it it almost doesn't matter how good you are like that's almost not like it's almost never gonna happen it's just it's so rare that it really just requires years and years and and having to stay committed it does that's the thing it's persistence and they always say being being ready for when your big break does happen but overall just not giving up (laughs) you know so how did you keep yourself going and 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 not give up again for me i'm stubborn you know and i had had this dream for like a long time and i think too i'm just kind of that type of personality too like i made sure i got straight a's in school and it's like if i set my mind to something like i'm gonna do it so i think it was just trying to keep going and i loved writing music there's the love of it too that it made me happy but 
I, I just had to kind of learn to, to fill the days that were hard, but then pick myself back up again and, and keep going the next day. And there were times where it was like, I was frustrated. And then the next day I'd get a call about a really cool project. And it was kind of like, Hey, the universe is telling you to go back. And then there was that sort of thing where when you get frustrated, remember that something good could happen tomorrow. It's that kind of business, I guess. Just kind of trying to look at the big picture, I guess. It, I mean, it can be frustrating uh, for sure. I will tell everyone that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah, but also glorious. <laughs> <laughs> you also mentioned how when you first had that conversation with Patrick Reynolds, like you were worried that being a woman would be used against you in getting mm -hmm. involved in horror on paper it doesn't look like that because again you've you've had so much work but I mean have you have you experienced that so far no like luckily and I don't know if it's because I gained a lot of experience so like it's what I it is what I specialize in now obviously if I go after it now it's like oh yeah she's got all these credits great she's great at horror I, I think it was just initially that first one you know and there was that and that was like 10 years ago. I, I feel like a lot has changed in the last, especially the last few years for women. You know, we've got Pinar doing big action Marvel movies and stuff. I do think that there are so many more women entering the field now and doing all kinds of different cool things. But 10 years ago, I would say I was a, a little worried that there was still that, you know, oh, they can't write action and they can't write horror and they should just do romantic comedies or whatever. But there's so many great women out there doing all kinds of genres and I, I really feel like there's been a shift yeah it's not really a problem I actually have ran into luckily as far as I know maybe there's some I didn't get because of it but no one told me right so, and I guess you'd, um, you'd never know that I would never know that yeah and I would say overall like the horror community is very open-minded very accepting it's probably pretty opposite of what outsiders would think about mm -hmm. it but like everyone's very kind to each other and kind of like a family and um, it's good people in the horror community. It gets shown in some of the films too. So often in movies, the protagonists are so male centric and, and the female characters are put into these like secondary positions. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have these really strong female leads for decades in, in horror. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're always tough. They're always the ones who live at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I do think I do think there's some good, strong women in horror, for sure. And when you were talking about Pinar doing Marvel films, like, again, Hilder winning the Academy Award for Best School mm -hmm. last year, like, that was huge. And I, I couldn't believe, I think she was the first woman to win in... I don't know if it was like 30 years since like Rachel Portman in the early 90s, maybe. Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. I mean, that is crazy. And hopefully, you know, we, we see a shift of, again, I think it's just there needs to be more women doing it at that level. And that we'll see more being nominated for Oscars and stuff. It, it was it was a good moment, her winning that. And just, again, showing that we can do things too. But I do feel like I've seen a very positive changed the last few years so so that's good that's awesome and and because i think for so many people like me who are writing about film music or just interested in it as fans like mm -hmm. that's the sort of thing that you don't see from that outside perspective like obviously i can look at how many 
female compo like film composers there are releasing mm -hmm. things or getting nominated but you don't have any insight into what's actually going on in the industry so that's it's so nice to hear because i'm of the opinion that like the more people that are doing it and the more diverse voices there are the better it is because yeah while there are decades of great film music that are basically all just white guys yeah <laughs> it's when you have more people doing it like you're just gonna get better things yeah, you're just going to hear different perspectives, I think, yeah. you know, people from different walks of lives, different cultures that might bring something cool to the table, you know, and I just, I just think it will overall make it all more interesting. Not that the, the white guys aren't super interesting, too, because <laughs> they are, and a lot of them are my absolute favorites. But I, I agree, I just, I love hearing diversity, just hearing different perspectives on things. Your latest film, at least as of recording, is it? open 24 hours that came out last month, I think, right? Two mm -hmm. months ago? Yeah, uh, August, yep. And that was another one with Patrick Reynolds. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine, obviously, for you, it went really smoothly, but how was your? what was your approach to scoring it when you were first brought on? So that one, Patrick wrote the script quite a while ago, maybe actually shortly after he finished Rent of Spring. That one, like, I was very familiar with the script and very mm -hmm. familiar with the characters. He said he kept sending drafts of the script over as he wrote it. And it was one that like we wanted to get made for years. Like I loved the script. There were a couple, you know, close calls of somebody had money and then it fell through and whatever. So it took him a while to get it made. So by the time it actually got made, it felt like this dream had come true, you know, because it, it's one that we all loved. He's got like a team. Obviously, I work with him as as the composer, my husband works with him doing sound, the sound design and mix. And then he's got an editor at Marks. So we're kind of like his post team, the three of us. And we all loved the script. Like it was like our favorite of his. So when it actually got made and we actually were together for the first spotting session, you know, at Ed's house, it was like, oh my gosh, the movie's real. So it was really cool to see it come to life. I love the actors he put in it very moody the main character is mary and she's dealing with her boyfriend her ex-boyfriend was a serial killer when she found out and he would make her watch so she's dealing with all this guilt he's now in a prison and she was sent to prison too for a while but released so she's just trying to start her life over it was very important that we had a theme for her kind of is melancholy she's feeling still this guilt and like the town will never forgive her but she's also having hallucinations throughout the film you're going to see these things that she sees and are they real or are they not for that i used some some crazy orchestral stuff but i used some like sounds of like neon and electricity yeah because i like the idea of the gas station that she works in you got those overhead fluorescent light buzzy sounds all the time and then I just love the idea of the open 24 hours neon sign in the front of the gas station. So some of that plays into the hallucinations and kind of the, the crazier sound design type stuff of the score. But yeah, that one, like, it, again, it was like I'd, I'd had so long to digest the story from reading the script over the years that I kind of felt like I knew where to take off on that one. I think it's, it's so interesting using the the literal sounds of some of the like, imagery mm -hmm. that you get as part of the score. I like doing that sometimes when I can. And then, you know, nobody would ever know what it is. 
but right. there's something nerdy in that for me that I like doing. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know, it, it can, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it adds a new, you know, another layer to it, which is kind of fun. But yeah, it's so it's so unfair to the listener because you you hear a sound and you go, oh, what is that? And yeah. no one in a million years is going to be like, oh, well, obviously that's the, the, the hum of a fluorescent light overhead. Yeah, exactly. No <laughs> one would know. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, there was one I did a few years ago called Clown Town, and I got some balloons from this guy that makes balloon animals at our local farmer's market. <laughs> and I, um, I'm like, hey, dude, can I buy some balloons off you? And I don't know. He he let me do it, but I think he thought it was a weird request since I wasn't a child wanting a giraffe or whatever. But um, anyway, I took them home, you know, and I blew them up and I recorded like all kinds of weird sounds, like stretching them, hitting them rolling things on them or whatever and then I sampled them and those became like percussive things or stingers and stuff for the clowns in the movie but again nobody would ever know like if you heard it they turned out to be pretty cool sounds but no one would ever be like that's a blue but yeah I like doing that kind of stuff sometimes when I can that's also just got to be kind of a fun thing for you rather than just using a library and using traditional instruments like yeah just doing weird stuff that no one would expect and that obviously you've never done before either yeah exactly just trying something you know and seeing how it works obviously the library and orchestral stuff and all that will go on top of it too but it's fun to have a little bit of different elements to play with sometimes it's interesting because sometimes for the viewer or the listener like subconsciously it it amplifies the the atmosphere without them realizing like oh it's this scene is, is or the music is kind of more effective because of this sampling like i was mm -hmm. i was talking to someone recently who for a scene that was on kind of a subway he had recorded the sounds of a subway and then looped it and manipulated it and things like that so it, it didn't sound like that anymore mm -hmm. but i think your, your your brain deep down still kind of makes those connections and and so it, it has that subliminal effect on the viewer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like, I think you do want to change it. Again, I'm married to a sound guy. So it's like, you don't want it to sound like the sound that's going to mm -hmm. be in there because then they're going to clash, you know? And I know that they hate that. If it's like, I put something that's going to sound exactly like what the sound design is going to sound like they're not going to like that. It's, it is cool to use it. Like you said, the subway thing, but morph it to where it doesn't sound exactly like that, or we'll just get lost or the sound guy will just mute it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's important to think of those types of things too. How much of that goes into your scoring? Like the thought of, all right, I'm doing this, but I'm trying to make sure it doesn't clash with what the sound is or what the, the actual mm -hmm. sound might be. I mean, I try to think about it as, as much as I can. Again, maybe I'm more sensitive to it because I am married to a sound mm -hmm. person, but I, I think it's just good in general to think, obviously I'm a composer, I'm going to think music first, but let's say there's like a creature and their scream is like this high piercy sound, then maybe when you're doing the music for you, do something in the lower range not to totally overthink it but you know it's right. just it's probably everything will fit better in a mix they'll have to mute less of your stems <laughs> but it's just good to think especially on something like horror or sci-fi where you might have some interesting sound design type stuff in your score or there's interesting sound design stuff in the sound design be it a creature or ghosts or whatever 
it's good to, if you can, this is again advice for maybe young, young up and comers, try to get the contact info for whoever's doing the sound and just talk to them. Say, hey, what are you doing for the monster? What's he going to sound like? And I'll, I'll do something a little different in the range of the score. And if you're doing something sort of sound design in your score, which a lot of horror is, see what they're doing. Try to do the best that you can to make sure they meld well once you get to the final mix. I mean, obviously music first, I'll admit, like that's my main thing, but you know, it is good to check in and just be sure. Maybe think of it in a little different way so everything works really nicely together at the end of the day. I think, I think that's really good advice. When you're describing open 24 hours, you're talking about the horror element, but also the, some of the underlying thematic elements too. How do you how do you strike a balance between amplifying both of those in your score? I guess it it depends. It's important, I think, to have the the melodic things. Again, it depends on who you're working with, because there's some people who don't want any no themes, no melodic, and some people who do want themes. It's like, okay, what like what's it for? So for obviously, open twenty four hours, it was only for Mary, the the main protagonist, mm. and everything else was highlighting the drama and the picture i think it just kind of depends on okay what's going to be score and what's going to be like a prominent theme there's a movie i did a couple years ago called ruin me and preston DeFrancis, the director of that like loved horror from like the 80s and stuff and loved like themes like a good theme too so that one we had quite a few themes and we really sat down and talked about okay you know We'll have a theme for this character this character we had like a mental patient theme there's this camp that they go to called slasher sleep out so we had a theme for that and then it was really interesting what we did with it was some of the themes started to morph the main character we had a theme for her and then eventually we start morphing her theme with the mental patient theme when you start mm. to think maybe she's crazy and it's super subtle i don't know if people would pick up on it that, that was one that was very, very theme heavy. Um, and it was pretty cool what we were able to do with it. But yeah, again, it's having a conversation with the director and what, what they really want. I love that because, like I said about the, the viewer picking things up subconsciously, because a lot of times, even if people don't pick up on it, it's still amplifying it because their brains at least mm -hmm. like made a connection between, okay, this theme means this or belongs to this person this is mm -hmm. that and i think it's such a clever technique to use the the score i always think about is braveheart because i think mm -hmm. there are a few times where themes will be combined or like literally played over top of one another and it yeah. just creates such a an emotional response yeah. right yeah yeah, exactly. yeah it yeah james horner was like his theme, I mean, he was like my favorite, obviously, like yeah. he's who I almost solely listened to growing up. <laughs> yeah, his themes are just incredible. And I thought it was funny that the the score that you mentioned earlier on was, was An American Tale. Gosh, I probably saw that movie 20-something years ago, but I was I actually listened to it maybe a month or two ago. I was surprised at how, how good it was, especially for... A kid's anime. A kid's movie, like, yeah. Like, not it's saying just... that those scores are inherently, like, inferior or, yeah. like, bad or anything, but I guess for me, like, maybe it's just some personal biases I have, but I just don't, I don't expect that, and, and so it was, like, really cool to hear that. 
yeah it's very lush thematic like it's really good his i don't know if you've listened to his land before time from around that same time too but that one's also amazing i was just going through his scores <laughs> for like a week just one after another yeah but that's, a, that's another one where mm-hmm. yeah gosh I, I i watched that when i was a little kid and mm-hmm. i don't remember a single thing about it but luckily at least we listened to it recently yeah that one's good that one i i i watched that one a lot too when i was a kid mm-hmm. but uh now i can't because it's too sad when littlefoot's mother dies i can <laughs> i can like start it when it gets to that part i turn it off <laughs> yeah it's very nostalgic i guess those ones oh, for bet. me yeah but yeah, I mean, it's amazing. But you got to think a lot of the kids' movies now, like Pixar stuff, those scores are incredible. Uh, Michael Giacchino's work on Coco, like, I thought mm-hmm. that was really good, especially yeah. like, use of like, acoustic and, and flamenco guitar interspersed. Because mm-hmm. again, it, that's a an instrument in a style you just don't hear that often in film music. I Obviously, I love it having played guitar when I was younger but like right I think it's such an underutilized instrument and style so it's so nice hearing it yeah it's very true yeah that that movie was beautiful too so if you have not seen Coco yet it's just beautiful the way it's done and probably a good one for October it's sort of true we had a little tangent but I did want to ask with Ruin Me creating that many different themes when you have a film where you're going to score a few different themes what's your approach to creating each one and mapping them out usually i like to spend a little bit of time like the first few days before i even get into it working on theme ideas and probably i'll sketch a couple for each one like okay i'm gonna sketch five theme ideas for this one theme and typically it's pretty easy to choose which one's the one Sometimes the first one I might write, I'm like, well, that's perfect. But I'll force myself to write four more just in case. (laughs) But yeah, it's just, and it's hard to even explain how I know what's right and what's wrong. It's just like a gut feeling like, yeah, that's that's the theme for this character, you know, or that's the theme for this thing. But then obviously I send all the ideas to the director as well to, to make sure. And sometimes I'll tell them I like this one the best, but a lot of times I won't because I want to see what they think and a lot of times they're on the exact same page as me but it's good to just kind of explore just starting out and then you have your canvas for when you actually start writing to picture I think quite a few composers do it that way I mean it makes sense yeah. I say that as someone who has you know, never done that in my life but, <laughs> <laughs> but it does make sense right there yeah. are times though where I think it was on worry dolls I'd done that process and thought I had come up with everything. And then partway through the movie, just on one scene, I was scoring, I got a new theme that I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then we all liked it. And then it ended up being used as like the main theme for the serial killer, I think, in the, the movie. And I had to go back and put it in to earlier cues. This is going to be like a huge non sequitur leap. But I did notice that you you have a film coming out butterfly and the typewriter about mm-hmm. um, the author of a confederacy of dunces john kennedy tool actually thought it was kind of interesting seeing that on your upcoming list because i remember you talking to me about it really briefly like four months ago after i'd read that book it was just like a, a tweet that you had commented on yes um, that's right yeah because yeah. you said you loved the book yeah yeah and that's why I commented, because I was like, yeah. <laughs> you were, uh, did you say something about how it was sad that he 
committed suicide, not to ruin the movie for anyone. Was that what your tweet was? It was about how he'd committed suicide, but then yeah. it, the His book mom. gets published, I don't know, yeah. 15 years later and is just mm -hmm. this huge success. But maybe if maybe if you want to read the or if you want to watch the film, like just stop listening to this. Um, yes, exactly. But... <laughs> turn it off now. If you don't know this real story, turn it off now. <laughs> um, but how the critiques and rejections that he'd had on that mm -hmm. book are some of the things that pushed his spiral to depression that led to his suicide and then ends up becoming this huge success while it's inspiring all the work that his mom did to get that out there it really it really made me sad seeing that that's what caused it and then yeah. had he been able to keep going that he'd have actually been able to see it as a success and it would have it would have mm -hmm. literally saved his life yeah well i mean that's the thing i think that, that there's a, a tale in that story like don't give up he thought he had something good and he did obviously i'm sure you've read the book right confederacy yeah, of Dunsif? Uh, i don't normally like comedy in novels that often mm -hmm. like every time i i read a review that's oh this this book's laugh out loud funny I'd read it and it's like, oh, maybe I'll have like a chuckle here or there, but that's it. It, it was, I loved that book. It was the funniest book I have ever read. Oh yeah. It's hysterical. Yeah. And like you can envision, it's funny because to me, it, reading the book, it, it's like a Wes Anderson movie before there were Wes Anderson movies, right? Like, yeah. I know they've tried to make the book into a movie several times and it's like cursed or whatever. They've never been able to, but I'm like, if they could get Wes Anderson to direct it. <laughs> In his style, it's like so perfect, you know, all these little vignettes with these characters and they all come together. And But I mean, back to, to John Kennedy Tool's story, it is a testament that you just got to keep going and got to keep trying because obviously he did have something brilliant, but the rejection was hard for him. I don't know if you've read the Butterfly and the Typewriter book by Corey I, I McLaughlin. Haven't. Okay, so that's what the movie's based off of. It's about John's life, but I, I do think from what I remember from his book, that there was maybe some mental illness. The rejection obviously didn't help and led to the depression and, and the suicide or, or whatever, but he he may have been battling some other mental illness demons too. But it's interesting. And if you read the book too, right there, you know, he had a complicated relationship with his mother. That's what makes the story so interesting mm -hmm. too. She was pretty overbearing and he left a suicide note for her, but she never let anyone read it. We don't know what it said. I don't know if he blamed her. Like, nobody knows. But then the fact that she got, she fought so hard to get his book published after he died, like, it's just such an interesting story. So anyway, yeah, I've, I've read the script from David DuBose, who, who wrote the script and is going to direct it. And, you know, also a great friend and a filmmaker I've worked with several times. And it is so good. Like, this story is just amazing. And the way he told it is amazing. Every time I've read it, like, I'm just in tears by the end. It's, I can't wait. I, I just think this is going to be a beautiful film and, and story for people to get to see. I had no idea it was coming out before mm -hmm. today. As, as a fan of the book and as someone who found his life really powerful too, definitely something I'm looking forward to. Me, me too, obviously. Like, as I said, from reading the script, like it's really beautifully told. I think it's going to be a powerful, emotional film for a lot of people. And if you don't know his story too, it's one of those ones that's tragic and inspiring all at the same time. It's going to be good. <laughs> good. To uh, finish on a 
nicer note, other than James Horner, who's your favorite film composer? Oh, wow. Well, do I have to pick just one? <laughs> no, just, okay. just don't, don't a list a hundred. Okay. I mean, obviously James Horner. I love, love, love Bernard Herrmann, mm. obviously, you know, because I love horror. I love the old Alfred Hitchcock movies and I love the Twilight Zone. Like I grew up watching the Twilight Zone. Uh, reruns, of course. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> not the original airings. But, you know, his, his scores for those I loved. Um, obviously John Williams. How can I not? Obviously, I like Hans Zimmer. I like Thomas Newman. There's so many. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of, lots of, lots of great people out there. But yeah, growing up, it was it was Horner and and probably Zimmer and Newman that I grew up on, and mm. obviously Bernard Herrmann as well. It's a good list, and I can't I, I can't argue with any of them. Yep, <laughs> they're all great. Yep. Yeah, and that's I I, I don't want to like belabor the point, but I think that's what's so cool about this form no matter what style you like or genre of film or music there are so many talented people working today and just throughout the last hundred years really that there's just so much really good music out there and yeah there's music for anyone yeah which is really cool yeah i love it too it's just fun to be like oh what did this person do oh that's so cool there's a wealth of great music out there like you said when, and even if you just listen to like one composer, you you hear Hans Zimmer's work over the last 10, 15 years and then compare it to what he was doing in the 80s or 90s, it's just so different. Listen to like The Lion King and then Dunkirk back to back. And you're yeah. like, whoa, how is this the same person? Yeah, it is interesting how it changes, right? Like it, it's interesting how it morphs into something different like yeah. what's the what's the new cool thing now you know but that is like you said that's what's interesting and probably you know fun for composers too to get to experiment and try different things well, yeah i mean and, and for you as as much as you obviously love doing horror you have the opportunity to do all sorts of other things too yeah yeah which i like you know it's fun creatively to try different things it is interesting like we get known for certain things and I'm grateful because like I said I love horror and it's nice that I'm actually known for something you know <laughs> um, as opposed to who is she which I'm sure there's still a lot of that too but like all of us have musical backgrounds and stuff and we're all very diverse you know we can write all kinds of different types of music so it is fun to get to do that kind of stuff and like I said from a, a listener's perspective it's it's fun to hear it's it's so fun mm -hmm. hearing like not just the broad diversity but a composer doing different things and yeah. seeing someone's progression See, like hearing a different take on it or something yeah. yeah i always think it'd be kind of interesting if there was like a composer what would you call it like a composer freaky friday <laughs> like <laughs> if you had john williams score a scene from beetlejuice because they're known for all these different things and styles. Right. But if we did that, how interesting would that be to hear someone known for a totally different style do a movie that someone else normally would do? You know, I don't know. I would actually I would, I would love, love that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Wouldn't that be cool? And so I think that would be so fun to hear mm -hmm. like composers do it. That I mean, not, not the whole film, like you said, you know, just the... Like a scene. A scene, or, yeah. Yeah. And then like put it on an album for us or something and uh, I mean I'd love that like if they did that for charity or something I'd be oh, all yeah. over that yeah but it would it would just be really interesting you know 
I don't know. I would totally love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I think I think most people who like film music would be interested in that. Yeah. Well, there we go. Maybe maybe we started a revolution. And <laughs> we could get enough people behind this to make it happen. <laughs> so. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, Holly, I really appreciate you joining me. It's been a fun chat, and. It's uh, Saturday morning for you still right now, so yep. have a great rest of the day and a great rest of the weekend. Well, thank you. I will be working like most composers <laughs> do on the weekends, but I enjoy it, so there we go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, well you... I hope you enjoy your weekend, too. <laughs>